Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today, we have a Q&A styled episode around training. Yeah, so these are actually some of the questions that came in from my Q&A box a little while ago. But I don't know about you, Danny. I'm really bad at getting through a lot of the questions. And it's really nice to be able to bring them onto the podcast and go into a bit more detail, right? Because Instagram mm. and especially stories, it's not made for context, right? No. And that's what we like going into on the podcast. So today we thought it would be a really good opportunity to dive into some of the training styled questions. Yeah. So thanks everyone who does ask us questions. Um, and we've definitely been there where we've reached out to someone hoping for an answer, but unfortunately we don't want to half ask the way in which we do answer your questions. So one day we'll either put it in a podcast or come back to it or just ask again if you can. Um, no hard feelings there, but we do do our best to give you awesome answers. So here we are today. And thank you to everyone who asked uh, the questions. Mm. So we'll kick it off. Hey, I'll start. Charles having a little snack on something. What are you eating? Blueberry. Blue- oh, nice. It is you the enjoy. season, right? Oh, yum. You enjoy those blueberries and I'll kick <laughs> us off. So Rhiannon Fechny, Fechny, how often and how long should you include cardio per week? Loved the Level Up podcast. So we did do a cardio episode last week. Um, And since then, I've actually added in a little bit more cardio to what I was talking about on the episode, to be honest. Um, Thank you to Sydney's shocking downpour. The weather has just been ridiculous and too heavy for me to be holding my umbrella because I am one of those people like in the movies where your umbrella turns inside out and it's just a shit show. And then you step in a puddle, your socks are wet Mm -hmm. and it's just the worst. Look, it could be a lot worse and my heart and our heart goes out to everyone who is affected by the floods. Um, but just to make this a little bit more lighthearted, it's not nice having wet socks either. Um, yeah. But anyway, so because of all that, didn't want to go out. So um, instead of my morning walk, I actually started back on using the cross trainer, which I love. It's my favorite piece of equipment. I so hate the cross you trainer. You hate it. You know why I love Before we get into why you hate it, your legs can move. You're standing upright so you're not hunched over on a bike mm. and you can text at the same time. And I just love doing my cardio while I'm doing a bit of work or replying to DMs. Yeah. Start the morning fresh, good to go. And I'm so far, it's only been a few days, but so far I've loved it. So far I'm just an athlete now. Um... <laughs> oh, sign me up for a marathon, mate. I'm really curious, is there anything or any reason in particular why you started doing a little bit more aerobic work after the episode? Oh, yeah. So based on the question, aside from not being able to enjoy my morning walk anymore, I after having COVID and feeling so puffed out, it was it's not nice. And I used to sort of enjoy cardio. So it's more just for that aerobic health. And so I don't feel as puffed out doing things. And personally, um, living in this warmer climate, I'm noticing a bit more um, allergies and asthma. So I think my um, attention is on my breathing. So I really just want to get fit with that. Um, And then also use it as a little tool to not feel as like immobile during the day because I do spend a lot of time sitting down same as you you know on our computer and Mm. I just miss how I felt 
when I was more active. Um, So I'm not working on a gym floor anymore, obviously. So I just found the next best Mm -hmm. thing, start the day with a bit of cardio. I didn't do the cross trainer this morning because I'm training legs later. Um, And I found that I've been getting doms from it, which that's never happened. But I did pump it up pretty high towards the end and gave it a real go with my legs. So I feel a bit of doms. Um, So before I get too excited and just ride this wave and do it every day, which I'm not going to, I need to still listen to my body and prioritize recovery um, and prioritize my strength training as well. Yeah. Awesome. Like, and obviously we went into a bit more detail with the, um, the episode on like training your cardiovascular health and all the benefits, um, for having like a primed aerobic fitness level pretty Mm. much. So there's so many benefits and one of the best ones as well, I I feel is just mental health. Like I feel so much better being able to move my body, feeling fit, not feeling puffed. Like you said, being like having a business online coach, a lot of the stuff that we do is in an office you do lose a little bit of fitness level like you Mm. said I used to take all like I had this rule at work I'd never take the elevator unless I was pushing a patient in a wheelchair and like I worked on the fifth floor so two flights oh wow 10 floors every day I'd go up and down and if I had Mm. to go to other other floors etc and I don't think I ever looked at that as exercise Mm. right like I just looked at that as that's just what I did you know, I took the stairs. Yeah. Whereas now in hindsight, I can be like, actually, I was quite fit walking to work or riding my bike um, to the gym every day, taking the stairs when I could, like you mentioned, working on the gym floor, loading up weights for other people. Mm. All those sorts of things are incidental um, activity in the zone that's actually going to improve your cardiovascular system. So yeah, amazing. for me personally as well, I'm in the same boat as you. Like I sprinkle a little bit of cardio in. Um, I, I actually removed it at the moment because I'm sort of in a bit of a surplus um, yep. just a small surplus before I go into prep but mm. um, normal maintenance like a couple of sessions a week and I don't like to set clear rules around it yep. either like I don't want it to feel like a chore I want to look at it as a way that's going to make me feel better rather than just something I'm having to flog myself to do because I know mm. that's what it's going to feel like towards the end of prep so yes. it's really important to cycle cardio in my opinion just like your training mm. the other thing I really want to make a point of is sport is cardio and I think a lot of people forget that yeah. you know if you play netball if you play if you ride your bike to work if you do those sorts of things remember that that's a form of cardiovascular exercise as well mm. and in our unique situation um we don't get that no no awesome and yeah so it really just does depend on your goal what are you training for like Sherelle are you currently in a surplus then looking to be in a deficit to get on stage well you wouldn't be doing it in the surplus you do it right at the end or are you like me who just felt a little bit crappy from not moving and then I just wanted to add it in um you know do you play sport that's your cardio there um, but yeah, living in a house with stairs, I remember when I go, when every time I stay at mum's house in Melbourne, she's mm. got stairs and I notice it. You really yep. notice when you do climb stairs every day. So just pay attention to how much incidental exercise you are getting. And if you're not, it's definitely worth doing a low level every day, just as a baseline to feel good and move well as a human. Yep. Um, but this really depends on your goal and it does change often. Yeah. To be honest, it can change, you know, week to week. 
Yeah. Something that I was actually chatting to a client about the other day, and I want to put steps as a diff- in a different category, but I think yep. it still applies. Um, she, like online coach, business, et cetera, used to get maybe two, 3,000 steps a day. Mm. Um, and we've worked her up now to having 10,000 steps over like the last, you know, three to six months, just slowly trying to change lifestyle practices so she can fit that in to her schedule and have see that as a priority. Mm. But the awesome thing I think that I've noticed with her is just her improvement in her mindset and her mental health, Amazing. not because of the step count, because of the activity she's doing to reach that step count. So she's going for walks throughout the day. She's spending more time out in, in nature, in green, mm. in sunlight. She's doing those sorts of things as well. I'm not saying go on the treadmill for 30 minutes a day to get your steps, right? Yeah. So I think the same with exercise. If you're someone that plays netball on the weekend, you love it, and you've just missed that in your brain that that's even cardio, awesome. Yeah. You should be finding a form of cardio that we enjoy. And for Danny, like it sounds like it's cross-trainer for you. For me, I love being outdoors. I love hiking. I actually don't mind the odd run every now and then mm-hmm. um, because I just much prefer cardio outdoors. As long as your heart rate's in the desired zone that you're aiming for, it's cardio, right? Yeah. Stairs at work, riding, it doesn't matter. So I think it's really important to have a broader zoomed out view of what cardio actually is because whatever method or form you choose, you also want it to be sustainable and enjoyable, just like your other forms of training. Yeah, 100%. And just for the record, I only like the cross trainer when it's raining outside. I love being in nature as well. Um, But it is also good for my mental health and stress levels to know that some mornings I can do work and multitask Mm. while on it. So just fit it around your life and like enjoy it because there's so many ways that you can do cardio Like we all make a joke that we all hate cardio, but it can actually be amazing. And it sounds like we actually do enjoy it now. So if you don't enjoy it, just reassess the circumstances in which you're doing it, you know, change your environment, change the amount you're doing, change your mindset around it, do it from a place of self-love. A lot of people Mm -hmm. use cardio for sort of the wrong reasons. Um, Fat loss. No one will hate it. If you're doing something just to burn calories, it's going to seem depressing. Yeah. Like, I mean, it does. And we, we said it in the whole episode, it does help your metabolism and your function a bit better, but it's not the main tool for fat loss guys. Sorry. Yeah. There needs to be other reasons for health to do it because Mm. if it's just for fat loss, you're going to be able to let go of it. You know, maybe you're dieting for eight, 12 weeks of the year. You might only do cardio sprinkle it in for them. What about the rest just for maintenance? Right. Mm. I just really think for anything, like if we only even looked at gym training for changing how our body looked, Mm. you know, there's going to be days when we don't show up. So I don't see cardio as any different. I think it's got a lot of bad um, rep in the industry over the last few years, cardio in general. I just feel like everyone's gone the whole fuck cardio. Like it's a waste of time mindset. And it's like, well, for who and what for? Like it depends yep. on what you're like gauging it as being effective for. So yep. make sure you're using the right metrics to measure whether you should be including cardio and how much you should be doing. Yeah, because I tried the whole fuck cardio thing and then I felt sloppy and gross. So yeah, you feel like you know, fit. it's not. Yeah, you, you feel just like feel fit. gross. Yeah, yeah, so do a little bit, but um, depends. It depends. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it always depends. <laughs> Enough to keep your aerobic fitness up where you feel great, but it doesn't interfere with your primary training. You know, keep the main Done. thing the main thing. Um, and for some people, like, for example, if running is your main thing, that is the main thing. You don't really need to include it anymore. If building yeah. muscle is the main thing, keep the main thing, the main thing uh, and sprinkle in other things, almost like a supplement, right? Yep. It should supplement what you're doing to enhance what you're trying to do long term. Perfect. Good wrap up. Yep. You're up. So Jen underscore MBU is three, um, three lower body days a week, too much volume for gains. I hear more isn't better. 
definitely come to the right podcast because I feel like our motto and definitely my motto of life is just less is more. Yep. Um, I don't understand where this mindset comes where people are like, if you're not dying, you're not doing it right. Go hard or go home sort of mentality. Oh, I'm like, oh, my God. Put that in a Supreme T-shirt. <laughs> How good were those slogans? The They're just so wrong. wrong. Yeah. Can we leave that mentality in like the 1990s? Like we're, we've moved on, please. Um, we're, you know, we're all here about training smarter not harder because you can only train harder for so long um now three days a week is not too much volume i feel Um, like you can't do too much volume for gains though oh unless you're overtraining type thing yeah okay that's what they're getting at here yes absolutely so Mm. it's not so much about overtraining it's about under recovering right and we need to flip that mindset because essentially overtraining you can't really do but you can under recover so for example when I was working as a full-time shift worker, if I was on night duty, et cetera, three days, I would not be able to probably recover from that for three heavy mm. lower body days. No way. But me now probably could if I planted out strategically. So what's going to allow you to um, like not recover properly is going to depend on where you're at, not essentially what the thing is. There's people out there that do like six, seven days plus sessions a week in their sports for example, but you better, like they have the best people in terms of like um, their sports scientists and coaches, um, recovery protocols. Yeah. You know, they're getting deep tissue every night. They're having like, all these other things. Um, so it's really important to consider not is it too much for gains? How much is important for me? Like what is my volume? Because they show it's something like between 10 to 20 sets per um, muscle group for a hypertrophy response. And that's a massive difference. Yeah. Like 10 to 20. So it means that I could do 10 and Danny could do 20. And we could both lead to like an equal um, hypertrophy response. Yeah. Awesome. I think for a newbie, three is too much. Um, because, you know, the DOMs are real, definitely. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, if you're just starting out, start with like three whole body exercises or at least two lower body days, just so you can split the movements and allow optimal recovery because it is about recovery. Um, And it's also about how hard you can push. I mean, if you're doing two really amazing, awesome, hard sessions, oh, that's my emergency alarm. Oh, I love it. Are we, are we getting evacuated? <laughs> no, I heard the announcement as you were talking that it, an announcement was going oh, to come. A, oh, that was a quick one. Sometimes they make us go out the whole building. I've done that before. It's, it's just, once it happened at one in the morning and like that is a great way to meet all your neighbours in their pajamas. Before oh, it's the happened to me before too and I was oh. like, oh, because you're half asleep and you don't know whether it's real or not, then you're half trying not to panic and like people grab their dogs and it's like, oh my yeah. god! I was actually when that happened to me at like five a.m. in the morning, I was online doing a um like a live course. And oh, it was you're like kidding! Time zones, you know, so it was like in the afternoon for them. It was five a.m. for me, <sighs> and I was on the couch and I remember we got evacuated. I was like. That, like, I was like, hold on, guys. So I just, like, muted it, went, took my laptop, so I just connected my hotspot and went downstairs. And I remember everyone just looking at me. I'm like, I'm just going to do my lecture over here in the corner of the fire brigade all rocked up. I'm like, it's all good, guys. It's all good. Yeah. Like, I had pants on. Um, Lucky. But, yeah, moving back yeah, on, where good. were we? Yeah, probably we'll just keep all that in anyway. Good bit no, of banter. Not? Yeah. Why not? Anyway, what was I saying? So it really just depends on how much intensity you can apply to that session as well. Like, yeah. I know you and I had 
a period of doing two lower body sessions um, for different reasons. I'll share mine and then you can share yours. But mine was really, I was traveling a lot. I ended up getting COVID and three was just not going to happen. So I really pushed, had a quad dominant squat day and then a deadlift dominant and hip thrust day. Um, And it worked well, but now, which is ironic because both of us have now added in a third lower body day. But I find that third day for me is more um, unilateral work, technique based. It's not big, heavy compound CNS exploding exercises. It's more just um, a little bit of a pullback on that third. But I love it. But again, if I find that my recovery is not that great now that I've added in a bit of the cross trainer and all of that, um, I'll probably pull back. Um, yeah, but sure. yeah, you're doing three too. Hey. Yeah. Probably for 80% of the year, I do two lower body days. Mm. Um, and that's just, um, you know, when you look at intensity and volume um, on, it's like a pendulum, right? When one comes up, must one must come down, right? Mm. That is just science. I love how people go, no, I train with full intensity. And it's like, yes, but technically if you reduced your volume, it would go up more. It's just the way it works. It's just yes. science. You're going to recover better. It's just, yeah. The way it is, I'm sorry. Um, so for me, I prioritize intensity um, over just volume because even when you look at programming for three lower body days, right? Like how many exercises do you really need to train the glutes yeah. and the length and position to get a hypertrophy response, right? Like four or five too many, you know, you really only would need a couple. So mm. I, I just personally believe if you can do less, and get more results long-term, why would we not do that? Like I know the gym fun for a lot of people, but that less is more mentality is something that I take into program design as well. Um, The other thing that I um, wanted to mention is like what you said, Danny, in the first couple of years, I believe that two lower body days is more than enough. And then if you train with a lot of intensity, like I do um, and like I like to, then why would you add more? You know, because I've added it more now. My reps are higher. I'm in more of an accumulation phase. I'm focusing on volume. I know intensity is probably not going to be as high. And as you mentioned, I've got more accessory um, exercises in there as well, rather than just heavy compounds. But I also also think it's important to um go up and down you know go up yeah. and down with your training volume as well because just like our calories how we have maintenance calories we also have like a maintenance training volume mm. and for majority of the year when you're trying to build muscle and strength you want that on the lower end because if you want to go into a fat loss phase you almost want to be able to use training volume as a tool as 100%. well to be able to push that and that's definitely something that I do so I believe that when you're like in those pullback periods you're focusing on your squats and your deadlifts and those sorts of things you want volume to be low and this is why in strength programs they are lower right than true natural bodybuilding hypertrophy style programs the the actual weekly volume is going to be a little bit higher so yeah yeah. It sort of depends, but a lot of people get stuck and fixed on one way of doing things. Um, and that's the dangerous part. doesn't matter whether three days is too much. It's going to be at certain periods if you don't mm. change it. Most definitely. Uh, when we were moving and when we were going through like a scaling phase of business, I was training three days a week and that's all yeah. my body could recover from. To be yeah. honest, my brain was scattered. I remember being at the gym being like, I'm exhausted yeah. and I physically haven't done anything. So a lot of the times we're overtrained because of factors that happen outside of the gym not in the gym like if we're in a state where we do feel um, quite run down and physically tired it's probably got nothing to do with your training volume yes that's a variable that you can alter but look at lifestyle factors too 
A hundred percent. And as we always say, stress is stress and it comes in many forms, not just in training. So if you are feeling run down and under the weather and your program says three lower body days, it can be very counterproductive. You're not going to recover well. You won't be training hard anyway. You might injure yourself and then you're out for a little bit longer. Um, Just really take the initiative to listen to yourself because even if you followed someone's perfect plan that they do for themselves, it's going to look different for you. Your three days is different to someone else's three days. So we really want you guys to take the reins of your own life and your own training, take initiative and just program it for yourself and not to shoot ourselves in the foot because we are coaches. We hand out training, nutrition programs, whatever, but don't take everything so literally to the point that it freaks you out if you go off plan, like, Mm -hmm. because it's not going to derail anything. It's really important to have that power in your own hands um, and listen to your own body because only you're in your body and you can feel if you're a bit run down or you can feel if you actually can push harder, you know what I mean? So take that initiative and adjust it according to where you're at, to be honest. Yeah. You might remember as well, Danny, like when I went through that period and I was having like just issues all the time, I had hamstring tendonitis, I was having Mm. little back flares up, flare ups. And there was a lot of other stressful things going on in my life as well, like with work and stuff. But you know, that was like the wake up call for me is like, you can't just keep flogging a dead horse mm. and out training problems, you know? And I had to go through like a period where I regressed volume. I slashed it by 50%. And that was so difficult for me to do because yeah. I felt lazy. I was like, I should be doing more. You know, I had all these critical voices coming in being like, you know, I shouldn't be dropping training volume. I should be doing that fifth session. I should be doing more, but my priorities had shifted and I had to regress to be able to progress. And I have a lot of friction sometimes with clients that might be training you know six days a week and I'm like cool we're going to four you know and there's a little yeah. bit of anxiety around it and I'm curious as to whether you see that too like especially oh, from yeah. a rehab perspective absolutely and a lot of the time um, people are pushing too hard too fast and they haven't really learned the basics or spent time on their foundational exercises so they sort of get really excited um kind of like the mood that I'm in right now with adding the cardio in, but I can catch myself out. Yeah, you, you've got the wave of motivation, you're pumped, you've set some new goals and you just hit it hard. Um, but then probably without the right guidance, you might copy someone's technique or someone's program on Instagram, you get injured and then you're still in that mindset. So it's very upsetting for people to pull back. Um, but, you know, it has to happen not to pull back completely because then, you know, they might go see someone and then they're told to, stop all training which is the worst yeah. thing that you could ever 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 do but just pull back enough to to do what you need to you know regroup allow things to recover learn some better technique or different programming and then you can add it in but a lot of the time people don't want to go back to six days a week because they're like this is oh, great I'm doing do four it. five I've got time for the kids I've got time yeah. for work I've got time for my Netflix tv show for mm-hmm. my studying whatever it is um and and it's a great way but often people have to learn the hard way yeah i I, I definitely did guys you know there's there's two ways you can learn right you go through the experience yourself or you look at someone else and go i don't want that to happen (laughs) right (laughs) i'm not doing that yeah two ways right you get the choice um Mm. i've been through both and it's really important to make that decision for yourself to be able to have the best protocols uh, and methods that work for you because we're we're also individualized when it comes to me as well, something I did want to share is like at the moment, my sole focus is on, is on bringing up my legs um, and I'm doing like a leg specialized program. Which part I'm, of your legs? 
all of them, to be honest. Amazing. I just know for wellness. Ooh, like smashing quads, so baby. fun. Yeah. I'm like, man. so fun. Um, just legs in general. Calves. Ooh. Guys have been growing with calves. They're growing wow. for the first time. I'm Calf like, toms are the worst. And I'm like, that, <laughs> that's good on the you. hardest muscle to grow for me just because I don't prioritize it, let's be honest. Um, yeah, no one does. No. But, yeah, so <laughs> I've, I've been doing three days of lower body. However, I'm still only doing four days of training. So my one priority upper. at the – Yeah, one upper body. Mm. So my priority at the moment is maintaining upper body mass, and we've talked about this in the past, is like you maintain muscle and strength on about one-eighth of the volume that it takes to build it. Um, and then when it comes to building, it's a completely different requirement, right? You mm. need to tell your body to build muscle. Like you need to give it a reason to grow. Mm. So I've still, like if you zoomed out, I was like, I'm still putting the same amount of stress on my CNS, on my nervous system, on my body as a whole. I'm just prioritizing what areas grow, right? And that's yeah. my mentality. It'd be really easy for me to go back to a five-day split and go three lower, two upper. One, I'm really happy with the size of my upper body and the strength. Um, it's not in like impacting my lower body movement. Um, movements as well so for mm. example if I was new to training and my back wasn't developed or strong enough to tolerate a Romanian deadlift I wouldn't probably drop uh, an upper body day because I need that to grow and develop alongside Brilliant. it and Brilliant. these are the things that need to go into your program to sort of think about well where am I at what do I want to do like am I focusing on specific things like what I've just mentioned or am I aiming for like a balanced approach to growth and overall development yeah, yeah. How fun. I love a good arms day, but I don't know why, even though like you're competing and I'm not, we're doing similar things. We added in a third lower body day and I'm pulling back on my bicep and tricep day. I would just go in and do a grow arms day because it's so fun, but fuck, it's so much easier to grow arms. I wish oh, everything sure. else, I wish calves grew as well as arms. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you're right because you do need a strong back all the way through your back mm-hmm. to facilitate your deadlifts, Romanian deadlifts, squats. You need yep. that tension, but then you can overdo it. So a lot of the clients that I see who have back pain also spend too much time smashing their upper body because they mm-hmm. don't realize that your lats feed in to your lower back and your pelvis. So then they're still adding more stress to that area yes. as well. Um, so you really need to realize that you Mm. Yes, you can isolate body parts, but for a lot of the compounds, it's both upper and lower. So again, just take into account your recovery as well. Um, Yeah, for sure. And then just in saying that as well, like you'll be able to agree with me, Danny, we have a lot more upper body mass and muscle than what we think we do. It's just Mm. that it's covered with a layer of body fat. Like when we get leaner, I'm always surprised by like my development in my shoulders and my back. Like yeah. it's the thing that when you go into a fat loss phase that you will notice first because females have less um, like receptors in their upper body that hold um, body fat, whereas our lower body has those estrogen dominant areas. So it's the yeah. area that's going to shred up first. And yeah. this is why I don't really include that much direct arm work at all because I know that one, the muscle mass is there, but two, I just sprinkle a little bit of that in towards the end to bring it up like it doesn't take much like you said to really fill up your upper body Mm. lower body development is a lot more difficult um, and takes a lot more time a lot more intensity a lot more um, recovery right than what your upper body does as well so these are just some of the I guess I guess underlying pieces as to the amount that goes into a training program right people just think oh three lower two upper it's like no 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 I know. And like, 
I love giving a little bit of arm work to someone. Not that I get complete newbies, but for someone who's lost a bit of confidence or they've got a bit of knee pain, give them some easy tricep pulls that downs or bicep curls that, that you can't stuff it up. You yeah. can go so hard and it's a great confidence boost for people. So for even sure. people who work with new clients and no, no one will get bulky, you know, Sherelle and I put a lot of time, effort and years <laughs> we're to grow our arms. So that's right? why we're yeah. pulling back a little yes. bit because we just mm. hit it so hard that it actually will grow. But like for newbies, give them some light arm work just for a confidence boost. Like mm. I'll never, um, cause you get a lot of people saying, no, I don't want to train arms and all that. And that's fine. But for the right person, you just can't go past it. Yeah. You should train every muscle group in your body at some stage across a year. Like yep. I think this is where people get confused and they go, oh, like with your training program, the goal is to not hit everything in one mesocycle. Like yeah. the program following the program is important. And sometimes I've got that, like, oh, there's no arms in this block. It's like, yeah, like it'll come in the future. Like yeah. it's, we, we Do you want to spend 20 hours in the gym? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Seriously. Like you've only got a select amount of exercises, um, time and recoverability yeah. um, from your training program. So it's really important to be like, you know, you're not going to lose shit. Like you work your arms, your, your biceps and your triceps indirectly in every pulling and pushing movement. So yeah. I think a lot of people, like we worry about, oh, there's no hip thrust or there's no like, you know, where's it gone? It's like, it's okay. Like we variation. train those areas. Yeah, variation, really mm. important, big, mm. big component of program design. And this kind of leads into the next question from Zoe M underscore eight. Mm. um so when zoe trains she feels her quads but not her glutes so she stopped working quads do you have any tips for this problem Mm. Mm, problem yeah is it a problem so so just to clarify so she feels her quads but not glutes in a lot of exercises and that's the issue at the moment i guess it depends so there's two ways to look at this question is are you training an exercise that you should be feeling in your glutes and you're only feeling in your quads that's one question that I feel like is a question from that and the other thing is there's a lot of exercises where you should feel your quads working too and I think a lot of people for example like a Bulgarian split squat you know in that second leg it's the the quad is being stretched so it's you're going to feel tension through that opposite leg as well um and for example even like a hip thrust you know how people are like I feel it in the opposite no hip thrust um a cable kickback I feel it in the opposite leg like those sorts of things are stabilizing not, leg stabilizing like those sort of things are not wrong but no. if you're like i feel my quads in a hip thrust that's when i'm like yeah we need to change the setup more than yeah. anything people get scared of um feeling and you're not even always going to feel it by the way it's about your position your setup like if you're doing a certain action the muscles working so you're not always going to feel it but those examples were perfect but i feel people like people have a complex against their hip flexors working like it's the devil or you yeah. know, their lower back <laughs> my traps like, yeah my traps or or the muscles of my lower back but at the end of the day they're still muscles and they still have a purpose so we will get a pump in them. Someone asked that on my Q&A and I made a post about it. Like they get a lower back pump without mm. pain. Is it a problem type thing? And well, no, it doesn't have to be because we actually need a strong lower back. We need a strong, yeah. strong traps and we need 
strong quads and hip mm. flexors. Like it's so a thing. The problem comes when those muscles are dominating everything. Yes. And then when they become overworked, fatigued and can lead to injury. But if you are doing an exercise and you're like, oh my God, like I feel my lower back a little bit in a, in a nice way. Like there's a bit of blood flow in there. You're a living human and, mm-hmm. and we do need those muscles. The argument is where do you feel it? As you said, so for example, quads on a hip thrust. Okay. What's the solution? Lighten the weight, perhaps change your position or like of your body or change your equipment as well. Mm. Play around with those three things and you'll get your answer. Yeah. A lot of people I feel fixate on sensation, you know, and sensation doesn't equal causation. And when you're lifting a heavy weight, it's just freaking heavy. Like I'm not thinking about my quads on a hack squat. I don't know about anyone else. Like I'm not thinking, I'm trying to think of like, don't die. Mm. Um, (laughs) Once you get to a certain intensity, you just forget. And like you said, if you're squatting, you're squatting. If you're hip thrusting, you're hip thrusting. Your body needs those muscles to be able to move. And some people will have more sensation um, than other things. Like, for example, with hip thrusts, there's a lot of people that are like, I don't feel my glutes as much as I feel like I should, right? Because everyone talks about the intense burn and all those sorts of things. And it might not. Like I know when yeah. I've loaded five plates on the glute drive, I don't know if I'm really thinking about if my glutes are on fire. Like no, I'm just not. I get up and my glutes are like pumped because mm-hmm. I know there's blood in there, right? And I've just trained that movement pattern. But it's not something that I fixate on. And I don't know about you, Daddy, but if I'm trying to get through a heavy set or even a strength, um, like a strength movement when I was going through a strength block, a really useful like mental strategy for me was just to not think about the weight. And just do, like just mm-hmm. up, down, up, down. Mm-hmm. And obviously I pre-qualified to think like that because technique is just ingrained in me and I don't mm-hmm. have to really focus on tempo, for example, or mm-hmm. consciously go through it. But I was like less thinking, more doing. And yeah. I actually just found myself being able to pump through the squats and push through the reps a lot more easily. Have you 100%. experienced anything like that? Absolutely. Really well said again. And um, I think for really heavy compounds with a strength focus, whether it be, as you mentioned, squats, deadlifts, very heavy hip thrusts with lots of plates, you need a full body brace. You need every single muscle switched on and tight and and still and, and ready to work. So you don't isolate certain muscles on those big compounds when you are going for a really heavy rep because everything needs to be on and braced. So essentially you should feel your whole body from the top of your head to your toe in those exercises, you know what I mean? Because it's all on. Whereas if you're doing um, lighter weight, higher reps, you can focus on slowing down the tempo. You not not that you let go of your brace or anything like that, but it's less intense on your body. Um, there's a big difference between picking up like a one RM deadlift versus doing a lot of um, deadlifts at a lighter weight, higher rep there. So you can pay attention on oh, my glutes, my hamstrings and all of that. But yeah, the goal shouldn't always be to feel the muscles, particularly in your compounds. Different story. I do use that cue a fair bit in rehab, even though it's not always applicable, but I think it is good for people because people with lower back pain. Yeah. People, again, I'll just use lower back pain because it's so common. Okay. They're going to feel their lower back in like everything that they do just because their back's so strong. Right. So then we need to draw the attention mentally away from fixating on the side of pain because people can become quite obsessed with that area. So, okay, let's 
put our mind on our glutes or mm. on our core? Do you feel your glutes? And then you kind of distract them from the lower back type thing. So there's a lot in it, um, case by case. But if you're going for really heavy work, then yeah, don't expect to feel the muscle. Yeah, that's a really good example. Like you said, I think like with injury or with niggles along the way, we can become so fixated and obsessed. And if you look for something, you will find it. Oh, you know, yeah. If you're obsessing over a problem, you're probably going to make it worse. You know, the power of the mind is incredible. Uh, and it's really important to, again, if you um, are in that style of training, you're not having pain, you know, don't fixate on the sensation of certain things too much. Like focus on the movement pattern. Are you doing it well? Um, do you training videos look good are you respecting yeah. tempo subconsciously yeah uh, to be honest are you able to do all things and if you tick all the boxes then you know focus on intensity um, yeah. the sensation's going to be there the other thing i guess the other part of this question is i've stopped working quads mm. and i really wanted to highlight this because this is actually something that i definitely went through as well like i have um quite developed quadriceps and I always have just from previous sporting um sport etc now when I say quite developed I would say like I've always had um like developed quads they haven't they're not necessarily that strong like they are now but in the past they haven't necessarily been that strong so I stopped training quads because I didn't want them to grow anymore Mm. and that made the problem worse and at the end of the day I developed like weak hip flexors, um, poor ankle mobility, um, poor, I want to say, like just technique with a lot of lunging, squatting movement patterns because I wasn't doing a Mm. lot of it. Um, And those things carried over into my other training when I was hitting glutes, right? So it's really important that you're training all movement patterns equally. And this comes from being told not to train quads. Don't grow your quads. But by actually strengthening them, I was actually able to develop the detail of my quads, all the heads of the different quads, rather than Mm -hmm. them just being thick thighs, to be honest, Mm. Um, and also develop my glutes, right? Because by having strong quads meant that I can push more weight with my hamstrings um, and with my glutes in general, because you do use your quads as the opposite muscle when you're going through a lot of those movement patterns as well. So if you've got a limitation or a weakness there because you're not strength training it, or respecting it the same as your other muscle groups, it's going to become your limiting factor. Amazing. You can reduce the volume. Like I still train quads. I don't smash the volume as much as what I do with um, hamstrings and glutes, but, you know, you can still train a muscle without um, growing it in a way. And another lesson learned the hard way. Hey, we've been through it all, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, always see this as well or you you it's common to see girls not wanting to train chest but then they develop shoulder issues because yes you might not you might have had implants or you might not want to develop the area but we need to remember and as you beautifully mentioned before you still need to have some sort of strength and stability in the opposite structures to the ones in which you're working so if we neglect the front part of our shoulder it's more likely to be drawn towards the weakness and all of that and you know it can develop issues and poor mechanics of your joints too so we still need to be strong as you said we don't need to put them under really high volume intensity um, and hypertrophy style training but the worst thing you can do is sort of stop training a muscle especially one in your legs because you see people who 
don't do any compound work and and it doesn't have to be barbell work whatever you can do compound work with a kettlebell or any other um piece of equipment or whatever yeah but people only use machines Mm. but then you if you're always on a leg extension hamstring curl you're not using the ability to hold yourself up in space stabilizing muscles and stabilizing muscles and all of that and again that can lead to to injury and you you move away from your goals too so yeah Mm. you might not want to bring up a muscle but you still need to work it but just alter the volume yes and something that's really important to consider like when we're writing training programs we're not just looking at the muscle we're we're thinking of tendons and ligaments and joints and mobility like we're thinking of all the other tissues and structures so on a leg press for sure, you're training a muscle to grow for hypertrophy, but then there's other movements as well that are going to train the supporting stabilizing muscles too, and that needs to be considered in exercise selection. So definitely something to consider. The other point that you made there's really good about the um, tra- training chest. Like personally, another lesson, not learn the hard way, but once I started training chest properly, my shoulders grew uh, yep. a lot more. And that's just mostly because obviously your anterior delts um, get the most stimulation from pressing movements because that's mm. the way the muscle flies. I was trapped, Oof, right? Look at you pulling your top up there, oh. showing your delicious arms. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, like I noticed a lot of um, anterior delt um, growth just by yeah. strengthening my chest and that crossover into other movement patterns as well. And again, like I don't, it's not like I smash the glu- um, the chest volume, but I definitely still uh, make sure that I'm doing pushing movements. To me, yeah. it sounds quite, I don't know, silly that we, we wouldn't. And Actually, I was watching um, a YouTube series by Brett Contreras um, as well, and he was sort of talking about his comp prep for his bikini girls um, for the WBFF. It was a great series, really good. Um, and I was watching it, and he was talking about the training for them being like, you know, they that he still pushes a lot of the compound lifts, but in regards to the upper body, how they pull that out and don't really train much chest. And he was talking about those girls that do that have earned the right to do that because they've been training chest for a long time and like pushing upper body and heavy compounds for a long time. So if you take it out for a short period to prioritize other things, that's not an issue. That's intelligent training, right? Mm. So it it depends on where you're at. You know, if you're new to training, like, no, you need to get strong on like heavy lifts and like you need to build up the strength of your chest. Um, yeah, good point. Coming to a back end of a show like a competitor, right? Very different scenario. Mm. But mm. so often we compare our training to theirs. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it makes perfect sense. Earning the right to pull back on exercises. And you mentioned for a short time. So obviously their main focus was to get on stage with a certain physique. Now, if we were dealing with someone for who, who did heavy lifting at work, they're a painter, you know, they're using their arms. You wouldn't do it because their priority is to function better at work. So it's really based on the scenario. Obviously, you're not going to have like as many likes and follows on a painter's Instagram than a bikini girl. Unfortunately, that's just the way the world goes. So mm. people think, oh, hey, like they're doing this. I need to copy. No, it's it really depends on your scenario. But again, find the variation for you. Yes, Sherelle and I still train chest. Um, we bench occasionally. We do our dumbbell work. Personally, I don't do chest flies. That feels a bit yuck, but it does. it's not the end of the world. We mm. found a variation that works for us. So yeah. I suppose the moral is like still work all muscles, but at a volume and in a position that suits you, your lifestyle, and what feels good for you. 
Yeah, awesome, awesome summary. It makes me sad when people are like, how to take your quads out of a movement. I'm like, why? Oh. Why are we trying to, like, just cut the quads off? Oh, you know, no. quads are coming back in fashion. Have you noticed? Are they? Is yeah. it with the whole flared jeans and baggy pants as well? Maybe oh, that's why, because it's so damn hard. And you'd, you'd get this probably more than me because your quads are so delicious. But, like, fucking finding jeans to fit over quads, like, Insane. for people who lift. Baggy know, pants are coming back in and 90s looks. Yep, and the belly button out sort of oh, look. I can't, man, low-rise jeans. Nah, and I've I just can't. bought so many new high-rise skinny jeans, like, when I moved. And it's like, are they all going to go to waste now? I'm yeah. going to keep them. I actually don't <laughs> mind the flare pants. I'm a big pant person. Like, pants yep. just work better for me. <laughs> I cannot do jeans. Like, just I've never found a pair of jeans that are flattering on me, to be honest. Yeah. I'm too short. My quads are too big and just... <laughs> I know they're all baggy around the calf for me and then rolled up down the bottom. And it's so you got to get that stretchy material. Um, What made you say the quads are coming back? I've just noticed actually just like a lot more. um, This is just me in the competitor world as well. Like, yeah, that's fine. With IFBB and stuff like that, starting to reward a more developed leg look, even like, you know, new categories like wellness. Um, Mm. And just in general, I just think back in the day, thick thighs was like a thing that everyone just really tried to run away from. Remember the thigh gap? Yeah, that was a trend. That's toxic. Yeah, I was watching a Tyra Banks. I used to love watching the Tyra Banks show like as a kid, but it probably planted so many weird seeds in my mind where she did this thing that taught you how to make a thigh gap in photos. You um, put your knees or your legs shoulder width apart and then turn your knees facing in and then because you rotate your knees in um there becomes a gap and obviously you don't show your whole legs but like they're the kind of lessons that were on the tv and it's like obviously it was a modeling show but i'm like that's not good at all no or the one where people would roll the barbell over themselves like can you fit under the rolling barbell and it's yeah. like why yeah i mean if you looked at like i guess the evolution of women in media from the 60s all the way till now physique yeah. development's just changed so much you know it's gone yeah. from really it's gone from like quite curvaceous um and Actually, then yeah. really skinny right and then really unhealthily skinny and lean yeah. and then like all those traits that you're talking about there which is just a horrible message mm-hmm. to be honest um and now it's it's gone like more athletic and it's it's sort of changing along the way and i think the lesson is it's always going to do that history will always repeat itself so yeah. there's no point in trying to conform to a certain look yeah. um, it's just about you know you doing you and you know if you're someone that like like me does have quite developed quads the only way to to i guess embrace it is just to accept it and just be like you know what i've got thick thighs and that Mm. is so okay and if i try and fit myself into a mold and create a thigh gap like i'm just gonna hate myself at the end exactly because they probably do too the people with the thigh gap because we're all so harsh on ourselves never gonna be happy own it like it's so sexy when someone owns themselves and yes we all have days where we don't feel that good and it happens to all of us but like and we've been on a podcast with Gabriella Rosa talking about confidence and it's from within. It's got nothing to do with your body shape or what you look like. Mm. It's like how you feel about yourself and how you carry yourself. And like, that's sexy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. So own them quads, own bring them, them in, they come back from fashion. So you ride that wave anyways. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. How good. Uh- and the last question that we're going to cover today um, is from Jennifer Sanchez, uh, 61, mm. how to avoid DOMS. So mm. DOMS being delayed onset muscle soreness. Yes. Welcome to the world of training where DOMS um, is a very big part of that. And it's interesting because you get people saying how to avoid it, but then you also get people saying 
Why aren't I getting it and where is it? People are so fixated on using DOMS as a measure of how hard they're working, how well their program's working, you know, how well their body's changing. Yeah. The um, same as sensation, right? Like, no, you don't not, need it to be there all the time. It's a poor indicator of a good workout. It's a very it poor indicator of a good, effective workout. Yeah. The only thing that DOMS indicates is that you've done something new. That's all it indicates. You mentioned that you've got it from the cross trainer. It's because you've yeah. included something new. If I went out for a run, my doctors would get sore, not mm-hmm. because they're being um, growing, right? They've just been overstressed, right? And we know that like muscle growth or the indicator of a good workout is how well we can recover from it at the end of the day. So mm. if we're constantly sore, um, it's a problem. And to be honest as well, I think there's a genetic component in there too. Like some people just experience more um, muscle soreness and DOMS than other people. I'm not someone that does experience a lot of DOMS. Um, I never really have been. Like I've had hard sessions um, in terms of like pushing myself too far or including new <laughs> exercises for the first time where I'm like, yeah fair enough uh but a lot of the times if you do have significant doms it actually impacts your following training sessions yeah and therefore it's a poor measurement or outcome of progress Mm -hmm. because it will stunt how hard you can push Yep, and you get DOMS from the breakdown of your muscle tissue and then it's rebuilding. So you do notice it not only on new movements, as you mentioned before, Sherelle, but then also if you spend a lot of time in the eccentric phase or that stretching phase of the muscle because training is creating micro tears in muscles and then all the inflammation comes to heal it and rebuild it stronger to try and make up for that um, stress on the body and that's how we get stronger Mm -hmm. and our muscles grow. So You don't want to train through DOMS. I know a lot of people do, but you're training through muscles that are broken down and are actually in the repairing phase. So we don't want to do that. Um, Like you before, like when I was doing my comp prep and training really, really, really hard, I would never experience DOMS, even Mm. though I was doing um, new movements and and all of that. Um, I've only started getting little spurts of DOMS because I took so much time off over December and January for the first time in years. Um, that when I came back, I was getting a bit of DOMS, but I've I've learned not to say, oh, wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, go me. It's like, well, no. Okay. My body's under stress now. I need to just not push too hard. And again, on the cross trainer, again, new movement, have not done it in a very, very, very long time. My body's still getting used to upping the volume. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be recovering as well. I'm going to be feeling a little bit more DOMS, but I'm expecting that to stop like from next week, to be honest, because it happens sort of once and then you just push through it. But um, it's not a good indication of a workout, but how to avoid it, just don't overdo the training. Yeah. And there's definitely ways that you can, um, I guess, put it into your programming. So for example, you mentioned there that exercises that load the muscle in that eccentric position thinking of like you know your your bulgarian split squats your lunging movement patterns anything that's stretching um the quads and the glutes etc that's going to create more micro tears in the muscle and therefore there's more potential um for doms the following day at the moment i'm doing like two back-to-back leg days like monday and tuesday i'm doing legs how Um, how are you doing it like what's your split 
Yeah. So at the first day, well, the first thing is like when you zoom out and you look at a program, like it's the volumes divided evenly across the week, but I've been strategic in the exercises that I've selected on Mm. the Monday to make sure that I'm not sore on the Tuesday, you know, and it's worked quite well. And like, I'm not sore at all. Um, But it's about the balance of what you're doing. So I select more muscles being trained in the shortened position, right. And then I'll load myself up on the Tuesday because I can be afford to be sore before a rest day. Nice. I use that strategy as well for comp prep. Like I've got a client who's like in her last training block before she competes in like four weeks. And like, it's a lot of shortened position training because I'm like, the goal at the moment is not for you to really grow any muscle. It's not going to happen. We just need to keep you training, keep you feeling well, yeah. um, et cetera. And everyone that's listening will be able to relate. Like you rarely ever get sore from a hip thrust, a cable kickback, a back extension, all of those sorts of movements. Um, anything that loads the muscle in a concentric movement, it's why glutes and shoulders can tolerate a lot of volume, right? Like lateral raises until the cows come home, you rarely ever get sore from them uh, and i'm not saying not like at all but it's definitely you can't you need just, more effort yeah you, you're mm. not gonna do like three days of like you know back squats right because it's yeah it's a heavy compound eccentric loaded movement or romanian deadlifts you know Mm-mm. and it's really important to keep that into consideration if you're getting too sore the first thing i look at is exercise selection uh, and yep. whether you're looking at loading too much eccentric eccentric stuff and then you can start like designing programs that are more I don't know like evidence-based and more intelligent so that you don't experience as much DOMS that's the first thing the other thing that I want to point out would be nutrition you know making yeah well hydrated um you know maybe supplementing creatine eating enough calories sleep all those sorts of things protein absolutely Mm -hmm. all of those things that are going to enhance your recoverability are absolutely going to help with doms or prevent oh yeah i remember and i did mention it on another episode when i took time off when i had covid and like i came back into the gym i didn't tell everyone only towards when i was better and like what have you been doing you look great and i've literally just been bed not bedridden because i was sick Cause mm-hmm. I wanted to actually just watch Netflix. So I was in bed and the inflammation went down. I was recovering like, so yeah, sleep is everything for your recovery and all of that. Um, but uh, back on the training Monday and Tuesday, I think that that's great for the right person. It's worked for you. It's working for your client. Cause a lot of people, um, have better output Monday, Tuesday. Yeah, but that was if, my rationale too. Yeah, like, I knew it. Bloody brilliant. But if you feel like you can just work as hard on a Wednesday and you need another rest day in between, that's fine too. So before mm. everyone goes, oh, my God, should I be doing Monday, Tuesday, just take a step back and assess. Maybe it's something you can try. Do you want to mm. give it 100% at the start of the week? Or are you a weekend warrior and probably still hung over on the Monday and then you need to put it to the other side of the week? Obviously, someone in comp prep's not going to be doing that. But, um, yeah, have you can have a play around with the days because, again, people still sort of reach out and say, oh, my goodness, like if I miss this session, how do I continue on? And it's like, well, just continue. what's next on your program like don't worry about it don't make up for a session don't do a double session because you missed one session you know what I mean it still happens yeah Yeah. you can't force your body to grow muscle at a quicker rate you just can't it's only going to go through protein synthesis that your genetic and your capacity is going to allow so yeah that's why doing more is not better you know, like mTOR and all those sorts of chemicals as well. They've got like a cap, you know, that you can push the limits to a certain point and then you're just digging, like you're pushing shit uphill, right? Yeah. The further <laughs> that you go. So really important to really consider, right? And this is why 
like whenever like me and you Danny would assign something a program there's always like method to the madness it's never mm. just like oh we'll just put a Monday Tuesday workout legs let's go oh put a hard God. go home there's always method to the madness it's like my promise in life like I, yep. I don't I don't do shit that wastes my time. I don't have time to waste time. So it's no. like do something, it's going to have a purpose and a point. Now, if I was hitting Monday and I was really sore and it was impacting my Tuesday session, it's not effective, right? No. That strategy is not effective. But if you do things right and you program accordingly and you're in tune with where you're at, you can absolutely like train smarter instead of just harder all the time. Yeah, yeah. And um, awesome work to highlight that. There is methods to our madness, but like, just ask your coach if you're not sure why they're prescribing you something just ask mm. like in a in a nice way hey i'm curious do you mind educating me like on why you've given me monday tuesday or why you've given me two lower body days instead of three and get the rationale as well yep. like that's how you learn um mm. yeah yeah Awesome. Well, I think that summarizes our Q&A for today, just going cool. over those four questions. But it's always good to be able to give a bit more context uh, to content, especially when it comes through on the gram. That is very much an instant <laughs> platform that we can never really do the questions uh, much justice. So we do hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, if you did, please take a screenshot and share it on your social media. Thanks for all your questions. And I had a laugh at all the wedding proposals to Sherelle and, and the I love you. So we won't those ones. Keep them coming. <laughs> Thanks, guys.